Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. While I might have owned an original Nintendo Entertainment System, a friend of mine had gotten a Sega Master System, and I fell in love with the Sega Master System. And when the Genesis came out, I thought, I'm going to make that move instead of the next iteration of Nintendo. And I was very happy with my decision. I sat in my room playing Genesis as often as I could. Eventually, though, my interest would wane, but that wasn't the end of the Genesis. My Genesis would have a renaissance when I would bring it to college with me. The Genesis was already a retro system at that point. And that meant that the flea market near where I went to school had the games on sale for really cheap. So I started loading up and then I discovered that I was going to school with a whole bunch of other Sega fanboys as well. We would sit and play Sega all night, even though there were better systems on the market, even though we could have done anything else. We bonded over Sega Genesis. And why not? It was a great system. This was sort of early retro gaming, one that I embraced wholeheartedly. Maybe a little too much when I tried to bring the Atari out. I didn't get quite the same reaction as I did with the Genesis or even the Nintendo. Still, they were staples in my room when I was in college, and they were a whole lot of fun. Plus, for a lot of people, this generation of systems was the one where they learned Oh, maybe even though I'm getting a new system, I want to hold on to the old one. And to this day, I still have my Sega Genesis in its original box. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about an amazing video game console, the Sega Genesis, better known in other countries as the Mega Drive. We'll talk about the company that made it, Sega. We'll talk a little bit about the technology, the games, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. the Genesis. It was Sega's third console and the successor to the Master System. It was first released in 1988 in Japan. There it was called the Mega Drive. Then in 1989 it would get a North American debut and there they would change the name to Genesis. There was two other names that the system went by. In Korea the system went by the name Super Game Boy or Game Boy with G-A-M and then an asterisk or star and then the word boy. And then later it would be called the Super Aladdin Boy, which is probably my favorite name. Super Aladdin Boy. Love it. We wouldn't have the Genesis without Sega. So a little bit about Sega. Sega is the product of two companies that merge. A company called Standard Games, which was founded in Hawaii 
to make coin-operated amusement machines. Later, they moved to Japan after America started cracking down on slot machines. At the same time, an American officer in the U.S. Air Force who was in Japan started another company called Rosen Enterprises, named after himself, David Rosen, very original. And he began importing coin-operated game machines to Japan and building arcades. Service Games was its only competitor, and so they decided to merge. And the name Sega comes from Service Games, the two first letters from each word. Sega would do pretty well from the arcade boom of the late 70s. And eventually, when it saw that the console market was heating up, would jump into it. Sega was always cutting edge, but they weren't even immune to the video game crash that happened around 1983. It was around this time that Sega released its first console, the SG-1000. Despite being innovative, sort of successful, a company that had bought Sega during all this time decided to sell the assets to the pinball manufacturer Bally. It was at this point in 1984 that Rosen quit the company. Now, those were just the U.S. assets. The Japanese assets of the company were purchased by a group of investors led by Rosen. He wasn't willing to give this up. It is here that the company starts to take on more of its modern look, releasing the Sega Master System and eventually releasing the Genesis and Dreamcast. The Sega Genesis was designed by the R&D team that was supervised by Masami Ishikawa and Hideki Sato. Sato was born in... 1950, and he would design many of the consoles, eventually becoming president of Sega from 2001 to 2003. Ishikawa, who joined Sega in 79, would eventually become the leader of their home console division in the mid-1980s, and would basically lead all the major console releases at Sega until the early 1990s. So amongst many other things, he would be the team leader on the Sega Mark III, the Master System, and the Mega Drive. We'll return after these messages. Sega challenges you with the ultimate video games. Games that'll blow you away. Like Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And coming soon, Monopoly. Knockout games like Rocky. Gangster Town. Shift into more excitement with the arcade hit Outrun. Only on the Sega system. Sega, the challenge will always be there. And now, back to the show. Now we have to go back to when arcades started to go into decline. Gulf and Western, which owned Sega at the time was worried, and they turned to Sega of Japan for advice on how to proceed. And they said they could leverage their hardware expertise that they got from working in the arcade industry to build a home console market in Japan. Remember, this is the early 80s, so we don't have Nintendo. It's still pretty much an Atari world. So this is all pretty new for Japan. The president, Nakayama, received permission to start the project. And this would lead to the release of Sega's first home game system, the SG-1000 in July of 1983. It was not a success and would eventually get replaced with the Sega Mark III. It's at this point that the split between Sega and Gulf and Western happened. And in 1986, big time for Sega, the Mark III was re-released in North America as the system we know as the Sega Master System. 
It didn't set the world on fire in Japan or North America, unfortunately. Both of those places were dominated by Nintendo. But it showed that Sega could have success in places like Europe or South America, and they decided that they would push forward to the next generation of consoles. But they needed to up the ante, because not only was Nintendo a powerhouse, but NEC released the PC Engine, which had amazing publicity at the time. So it was a real worrisome thing. The Mega Drive, or Genesis, was announced in June of 1988, where it was referred to as the Mark V. They would go through 300 name proposals before settling on Mega Drive. Now you're wondering why is it not Mega Drive in America? It was named Genesis for slightly unknown reasons, perhaps because of a trademark dispute with a company called Mega Drive Systems, which was a computer hardware company who made high-end storage devices. In 1989, they were fairly unknown, but they happened to own the name. Eventually, they would merge with a company called Data Direct Networks and stop using the Mega Drive name from that point on. But unfortunately, the Mega Drive ship had already set sail, and in North America, we had the Genesis. Absolutely Sega Genesis. It's gotta be Spider-Man. Sega Genesis. Definitely Strider. Sega released the Mega Drive on October 29th, 1988 in Japan. Unfortunately, Nintendo released Super Mario Bros. 3 a week earlier. That was a big deal. But even with fairly decent reviews, Sega only managed to sell 400,000 units in its first year. And to increase sales, they started focusing on peripherals and games, including some really random stuff I had not heard of. Despite this, the Mega Drive was unable to compete with the Super Famicom, and it would be in third place in Japan after the Super Famicom and NEC's PC Engine. Sega did not have a sales presence in North America for these consoles. They had distributed the Master System through Tonka. They were not happy with Tonka's performance, and they looked for a new partner, offering the rights to the Atari Corporation, which didn't have a 16-bit system. Atari turned them down, and Sega decided to launch the console through Sega of North America. And they had a small launch in August of 1989 in New York City and LA. Later that year, it would get a wider release throughout North America. This is kind of a great what-if with Atari, much like many other what-ifs that Atari has gone through. What if they had gotten on Nintendo? What if they had gotten on Sega? Would they still be around today? It's hard to know. But all those amazing opportunities that they passed up just boggles the mind. The system would get a release in Europe in September of 1990. This was handled by Virgin Mastertronic, which would be purchased by Sega in 91 and become Sega of Europe. In Europe, demand was pretty high. They had ordered 20,000 Mega Drives, but pre-orders were enough that that number went up to 30,000. Eventually, they would sell 40,000 units in the UK alone. The Mega Drive, or Genesis, falls under what is called the fourth generation of video game consoles. And that began in October of 1987 when NEC released the PC Engine, better known as the TurboGrafx-16 in North America. While they might have been first, 
in release, they were always second to the Super NES, which dominated sales as the 16-bit consoles. And you wouldn't even know that in North America, where the rivalry was between Nintendo and Sega at the time. What was better about a fourth-generation console than a third-generation console? You had a lot more buttons on your controllers, powerful 16-bit microprocessors, the ability to handle complex scrolling, the illusion of 3D scaling and rotation, better sprites, more colors, CD-ROM support, and stereo audio. The game technical overview. The microprocessor of the Mega Drive Genesis was a 16-32-bit Motorola 68000 CPU clocked at 7.6 MHz. Sound hardware was controlled by a Zilog Z80 subprocessor, which also provided backwards compatibility with the master system. The system had 72 kilobytes of RAM and 64 kilobytes of video RAM. It could display up to 61 colors at once from a palette of 512. The system produced sound using a Yamaha YM2612 FM synthesizer and a TI SN76489 PSG, which was integrated into the video display processor. The Zilog Z80 was primarily used to directly control both sound chips, which could be used to produce stereo music and sound effects. And technical overview. We'll return after these messages. The Sega Genesis has blast processing. Super Nintendo doesn't. So what's blast processing do? And uh, what if you don't have blast processing? And now, back to the show. All the advertising for Sega. They really pushed it as the cool new system and coined the term blast processing, which suggested that the processing capabilities of the Genesis were far greater than the Super Nintendo. The term blast processing was originally referring to the high-speed DMA controller in the Yamaha VDP graphic processor, this allowed for higher resolutions during gameplay and just better graphic capability. That doesn't mean that the Super Nintendo didn't also have some advantages itself, but blast processing just sounded much cooler. Later, Nintendo would actually take the fight to Sega, coming out against things like blast processing and other technical terms that don't actually mean what you might think it means. That famous ad campaign... Genesis does what Nintendo must have really resonated at Nintendo headquarters if they had a reaction this strongly. We'll return after these messages. Genesis does! 16-bit arcade graphics. You can't do this on Nintendo! Genesis does! 16-bit sports action. You can't do this on Nintendo! Joe Montana free, Pat Riley free, Buster Douglas free, Super Monaco GP free, or Collins free. What Nintendo? Buy a 16-bit Genesis system between now and October 31st and get an extra game. And now, back to the show. 
There were many variations of the Genesis released over the years. Other companies manufactured it in addition to Sega. You had JVC, Pioneer Corporation, Amstrad, and many others. In 93, Sega introduced a smaller version of the console. It was called the Genesis 2 in North America and the Mega Drive 2 everywhere else. It was basically a scaled-down version using new technology and stripping things like the headphone jack on the front of the system. A feature I really enjoyed, especially if I was playing the system at night at home and didn't want other people knowing I was playing and yet wanted to have sound. They would also release a Sega Genesis Sega CD unit called the Sega Genesis CDX, or the Multi-Mega in Europe, which combined the Genesis with the Sega CD unit. It was listed as a semi-portable system because it was fairly lightweight, weighing under just two pounds, to the point where when Sega used it in marketing, they marketed it as a portable CD player as well. And that was facilitated by a small LCD screen that was on the unit to make it more like a portable CD player. Sega would also release a handheld version of a 16-bit system called the Nomad, and that was based on a portable version of the Mega Drive that was used on flights in Japan, a system called the Mega Jet. It supported the entire Genesis library and had one of the cooler names in system history. I love the name Sega Nomad. If you go online, you'll find lots of cool stuff, especially from Japan related to the Mega Drive. In Japan, they released something called the Terra Drive, which was a Mega Drive combined with a computer. If they had released that in the US, I might have been all over that. While they make some retro consoles that run Genesis games, I'd like to think that Majesco's Genesis 3 release in 1998 was the last of the sort of real releases of Sega Genesis. Danita Stokes, president of HAG. It's bad enough that Sega Genesis has the most 16-bit games, but this new Sonic the Hedgehog, oh, he really duffed my doilies. They say he's incredibly fast. Well, what's the hurry, mister? Hmm? And about his attitude. Smarty pants. Why can't it be more like that nice boy Mario? Oh! Little brat! Now, get Sonic free when you buy a Sega Genesis system at its new price of $149.99. Sega had used Alex Kidd as their mascot, but to compete with Mario, they needed something more. So, enter Sonic the Hedgehog. He was an anime-inspired hedgehog with red shoes, created by Naoto Oshima. He referred to him as Mr. Needlemouse, which now is what I am always going to call him, and was chosen in a company-wide contest. That contest would spawn one of the best-selling franchises in video game history. The gameplay of the original Sonic was based off a tech demo by Yuji Naka, who had developed an algorithm that allowed a sprite to move smoothly on a curve. And I think if you've played Sonic the Hedgehog, you could see where that's going. While it wasn't clear if Sonic could take on Mario, they decided to bundle Sonic the Hedgehog with the Genesis, and it worked. The speedy gameplay, the fun colors, made Sonic a hit and helped to drive sales of Sega in America eventually gaining 65% of the U.S. market against Nintendo. Sonic replaced the original pack-in title for the system, which was Altered Beast. Since consoles are released and it takes a lot to enhance them, in the days of cartridges, they would often include chips in the cartridge themselves to enhance the capabilities of the game. And Nintendo started doing this with their Super FX chip, which allowed for much higher quality games, and Sega 
answered back by creating the Sega Virtua processor. The problem with these chips and the games that they would create meant that they were often expensive to produce and the games themselves would be much more expensive. A good example of a game that uses the Sega Virtua processor would be Virtua Racing which was the most expensive Genesis cartridge that had been produced, and it retailed for over $100. Two other games, the Virtua Fighter and Daytona USA, were planned to be on the Sega Virtua processor chip, but instead they were pushed to the next console release, the Sega Saturn. Do you know what the three best-selling video games for the Sega Genesis were? I'll give you a moment to think about it. Okay, time's up. Number three was Disney's Aladdin. Number two was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And number one was Sonic the Hedgehog. The Aladdin was pretty impressive. They sold 4 million units, and that's a non-pack-in title. Both Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 were pack-ins, meaning they were released with the system. And Sonic the Hedgehog 2 sold 6 million units, and Sonic the Hedgehog 1 sold 15 million so Aladdin with 4 million, that is a pretty good release. And it's a good game with great theming. There were some fun peripherals released for the Sega Genesis. Wireless controllers, a device that allowed you to play Master System games, the Master System Converter, a very cool light gun, the Menacer, a Sega mouse, which could be used with the game Eye of the Beholder, a great game. They also released some sport accessories, including the Batter Up foam-covered bat, and the TV Golf Golf Club, both of which were also released on the Super Nintendo. In 93, Sega released a mat that you put on the floor and you move around and it translates your movements into physical movements in the game. And this would become quite popular on other systems and probably go to its highest peak with the Nintendo Wii. Unfortunately, it did not do well because it was pricey and inaccurate. I've watched videos online of people trying to use them, and I can see that they are very difficult to use. This was an exciting time for online gaming. Sega entered this world with Sega MegaNet, which debuted in Japan in November of 1990. It operated through a cartridge and a peripheral called the Mega Modem. It allowed you to play 17 Mega Drive games online. A North American version, the Telegenesis, was announced but never released. They also released the Mega Answer, which turned your Japanese Mega Drive into an online banking terminal. Because when you are doing your banking, nothing is better than using your Sega Mega Drive. In 94, Sega started the Sega Channel, which was a game distribution system, which used cable television services. And using a special peripheral, you could download a title from a library of 50 each month. So an early subscription gaming service. The Sega channel at its height would reach 250,000 subscribers and would run until July of 1998, well past the release of the next console, the Sega Saturn. Sega took on its rival with a good system, but also with great marketing and was able to get a jump on Nintendo, have a lower price point and a very large library of games compared to the Super Nintendo at its release and was able to outsell Nintendo for four Christmases in a row in the United States. For every game that the Super Nintendo had, Sega had 10. And anything that Nintendo tried to do, say have some exclusivity, Sega could fire back with a similar game. The Mega Drive would become Sega's most successful video game console. It would sell over 40 million units worldwide. 
20 million units alone in the United States. To me, it is one of the best video game consoles ever created. And it's because it took gaming out of just the hardware and the games. It made it a cultural thing. It played out not in the theater of the living room of this console's better than this one, but instead in the press and in advertising. This is where you would start to identify with the console you had. And maybe even at this point where the console you had defined part of who you were. I don't know if I ever got that deep, but I did love my Sega Genesis. So if you have the opportunity to play a Sega Genesis, especially the original hardware, please do. You could also check out some of the retro consoles that they've released for the system. While Sega no longer creates hardware, the memories of this great company and its contribution to video games is still being felt today. So whenever you fire up whatever modern console you have, take a minute, think about Sega, think about what they brought to the table and how they changed things by being competitive, by upping the ante. They might be gone, but a certain blue hedgehog will be around for a very long time to remind us of its legacy. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, why not email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.